Welcome to the Jewish Prayer Podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. This podcast is dedicated in memory of Rav Ozer Glickman Zetzal. Rav Glickman was a wonderful human being, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and somebody who truly loved all of Am Yisrael. I hope that the following Devar Torah will serve as a reasonable tribute to the way that he saw the world and the way he treated every human being. Magid, the recounting of the story of the Exodus and one of two Torah-mandated mitzvot of the Seder, is recited on the night of Pesach following Kiddush, washing and eating karpas, and the breaking of the middle matzah. As soon as Magid begins, immediately preceding the Manish Tanah, the four questions, and the remainder of the rabbinic sections that are used to describe Yitzhia Mitzrayim, a short paragraph beginning with the words Halachma Anya is recited. Halachma Anya di Achalu Avatana Ba'ara de Mitzrayim. Kol dichvin yetev yechol, kol dichrich yetev yifsach. Hashata hacha, lashana haba'a, ba'ared Yisrael. Hashata abde, lashana haba'a, b'nei chorin. This is the bread of affliction which our ancestors ate in the land of Egypt. All who are hungry, let them come and eat. All who are needy, let them come and celebrate the Passover. This year we are here, next year in the land of Israel. This year we are slaves, next year free men. What is the purpose of this paragraph? It seems to be out of place, for a true invitation should come at the beginning of the Seder rather than after Kiddush. Moreover, there is no indication that people are supposed to cry this paragraph aloud at their front doors, as would befit a true invitation. Rather, it seems to be purely ceremonial and, accordingly, disingenuous. Finally, the invitation itself is halachically dubious. Only individuals who had previously arranged to eat the Korban Pesach together are legally permitted to partake of the sacrifice. Whereas Halachma Anya states that all who are needy, let them come and celebrate the Passover. Yete v'yifsach. Technically an invitation to eat the Korban Pesach with the rest of the household. Should someone accept, the Halacha would demand that this invitation actually be rescinded. The answer to this problem can be ascertained by noting that only two holidays in the Jewish calendar carry with them the potential punishment of karet, being cut off, should they be violated. Pesach, by eating chametz, or refusing to offer the Korban Pesach, and Yom Kippur, by eating during the fast, or by doing forbidden malacha, work, during the day. While the nature of karet has long been debated, the simplest manifestation of this unfortunate consequence is clearly defined in the Torah itself. It means that the person is cut off from the Jewish people. The various rabbinic interpretations of karet are simply attempts to understand the ramifications of being cut off from the people, rather than alternate interpretations of what is plainly stated in the Torah itself. According to the scholars of Jewish mysticism, the Jewish people as a metaphysical entity, Knesset Yisrael, is somehow identified with the Divine Presence, the Shekhinah. Knesset Yisrael does not refer to an individual Jewish person or even the sum total of all Jews alive today, but instead to the Jewish people across time and space, the Jewish nation, that is, as a single, indivisible unit that transcends its current spatial and temporal boundaries. In a manner impossible to quantify scientifically, then, this metaphysical unit, of which every Jewish individual takes part, is called the Divine Presence itself. 
the course of Jewish history, both ancient and modern, bespeaks this equation between the Jewish people and the divine presence. We can never fully trace the sources of our faith. Indeed, the experience of the divine should exceed the intellectual content of any attempted proof of the truths of religion. Nevertheless, who is not struck by the strange, almost unbelievable reality that is the Jewish people? Its history is singular, its accomplishments unrivaled, its hold on the human imagination inexplicable. The Jewish people was the primary source of monotheism, the most important idea in history. It gave the world the Bible, the most influential book in history. It spawned two religions that encompass half the population of the globe. It has repeatedly violated every rule of historical empiricism. People may love the Jewish people. People may hate the Jewish people. But no one can remain indifferent to the Jewish people. The greatest crime in history was perpetrated against them. The most unlikely occurrence in modern history, the emergence of a thriving state of Israel despite its being the most scrutinized and hated country on earth, happened to the Jewish people. They are the world's most important physicists and economists. They created Hollywood. Their contributions to technology and medicine, academia and law, business and entertainment exceed their expected impact a hundredfold or more. Whatever this phenomenon means, it is unquestionably a source of wonder. I firmly believe that only one explanation can really make sense of this perplexing reality, and that is the equation of Knesset Israel and the Divine Presence. In a mysterious way, the Shekhinah acts through the Jewish people, and the Jewish people, regardless of their religious observance or belief, are permeated with Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God. The unmatched creativity of Knesset Israel is the unseen workings of God. The powerful emotions that the Jewish people evoke are unconscious responses to the Divine Presence. If violations of Pesach and Yom Kippur result in injury to a person's bond with Knesset Israel, we can accordingly assume that giving these days the special regard they are due results in a strengthening of this same connection. For reasons known only to God, Pesach and Yom Kippur are the two particular holidays that allow us to connect to Knesset Israel, that is, to connect to the Divine Presence. Experiencing Pesach and Yom Kippur is, in fact, the experience of contact with the Shekhinah. Indeed, Rav Soloveitchik Zatzal described this reality as well, as quoted by Rabbi Aaron Rekefet Rothkoff in his book The Rav, The World of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, I quote, In my experience, that is, in my experiential, not intellectual memory, two nights stand out as endowed with unique qualities, exalted in holiness, and shining with singular beauty. These nights are the night of the Seder and the night of Kol Nidre. As a child, I was fascinated by these two nights because they conjured a feeling of majesty. In a word, as a young child, I felt the presence of Kedushah on these nights. End quote. However, there is one condition for such an experience of the Shekhinah to take place. Because of the equation of the Divine Presence with Knesset Israel, the Divine Presence can only be experienced if Knesset Israel itself is experienced as well. The fundamental attribute of God, His unity, must also be applied without exception to the people of Israel. The attempt to encounter the Divine without simultaneously encountering Knesset Israel is a contradiction in terms. A heart that's closed to Knesset Israel in toto is de facto also closed to the Shekhinah. 
For this reason, Magid begins with an invitation to every Jew to join us at the Seder. This is not a message to any individual person as much as it's a message to ourselves. In order to properly observe the Seder, in order to mystically experience the Shekhinah, we must first open our hearts to every member of the Jewish people. By accepting every Jew, religious or not religious, rich or poor, by internalizing the phrase, all who are hungry, all who are needy, by finding reasons to bring someone close rather than developing excuses to push him away, we give voice to our desire to literally feel the Divine Presence joining us at the Seder. When we are receptive to the entirety of Knesset Israel, we are accepting the Divine Presence into our homes. Yom Kippur, accordingly, begins with the exact same message. Moments before the onset of the day, before the emotional and spiritual power of Kol Nidre, we loudly state, we give permission to pray together with those who have been excluded from the community. Anu matirin lihit palel im havaryanim. In other words, we drop all communal divisions, deserve it or not, and invite every Jew back into the synagogue. In fact, we must do this as it is the absolute requirement in order to experience the Divine Presence on Yom Kippur. The Seder night and Yom Kippur are linked in an additional way as well. These are the two occasions on which the phrase, next year in Jerusalem, the Shana HaBa'ab Yerushalayim, is formally included in the liturgy. One reason for this is certainly the off-sighted reality that no two holidays have been changed by the Temple's destruction as much as Pesach and Yom Kippur with their extreme emphasis on the service in the Beit HaMikdash. But I believe that there is a second reason, directly connected to the first, for its recital. As the primary annual occasions, when the Divine Presence is exceptionally near, the Seder night and Yom Kippur represent the ultimate opportunities for experiencing the Shekhinah in time. Nevertheless, while the experience of divinity in time is very powerful, it is not as intense as experiencing divinity in both time and space. By praying that we celebrate next year in Jerusalem, we are asking to move forward from this wonderful yet partial experience and allow it to become the complete experience of feeling God's presence on the days when He is exceptionally available and in the place where He is uniquely available. May the Divine Presence be felt this Seder night through our acceptance and love of every member of the Jewish people. And may this feeling be a prelude to the complete experience of finding God in both time and space that we hope will take place next Pesach in the rebuilt Yerushalayim, the Temple in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining me on the Jewish Prayer Podcast.